This is the Warm Springs program on KWSO. In today's world, jobs and technology have made people more sedentary than ever before, and their bodies pay the price. Dr. David DeRose is the host of the show American Indian Living. His guest, Matt Peel, is a corrective exercise specialist and author. He believes that people heal best and can thrive by finding ways to be active that they really enjoy. This is one of the ironic things that I've seen evolve over my years as a physician. So I can remember we would deal with people with arthritis. We'd put them on bed rest, you know, especially if they had inflammatory arthritis like a rheumatoid arthritis. That whole paradigm shifted and movement is part of what we're using to treat rheumatologic conditions. So a lot of folks, when they hear about people sitting around, they think, well, you know, that might actually be good for their joints, but we see just the opposite. Tell us a little bit why the sedentary lifestyle, the Zoom lifestyle, if you will, is so hazardous to our health. Humans were not meant to be stationary. Uh, as most of your audience being Native Americans, you know, look at the history of them. They're nomadic tribes, right? We're moving we're on the go, we're doing things throughout our lives. So sitting, staring, forcing ourselves now into this box where we're like this or like this all day long, staring at a device is not a natural mammal type of activity. And what it does is it begins to pull your body in directions that it's not meant to be in with your hurting pain in your low back, in your hips, pulling your neck, pulling your shoulders forward, pains in your ankles. and one thing can lead to another. There's a term out there called regional interdependence. And what does that mean? It just means that our body is connected. So if your body is being pulled out of whack, maybe at your hips, well, the rest of the body has to compensate for it, whether it's in your shoulders, again, whether it's in your knees, whether it's in your ankles. And over time, this forces us to remodel and we have to make a change or else we're going to continue down that negative road. The pandemic was a time when people were not getting out as much and the impacts for many have been long lasting. That, along with constant connectivity to devices, has exacerbated chronic pain issues. One of the things I saw a lot of was upper back, neck, headaches. And as I would talk with people about their body mechanics, it seemed that a lot of these folks were doing a lot of what we call flexion. You know, they were looking down, you know, and over the years, it seemed like if I could get people to be conscious of this, maybe to, to put their work surface up. I mean, here we're on Zoom, we're, we're looking, you know, we're standing in more neutral positions. We're not looking down like this. That actually has seemed for many folks to be one of the postural issues that was at the root of those upper back, neck, uh, headache uh, problems. It's something called text neck or a forward head position. And you're right, you know, because we're down, we're looking at our phones and, and you look around and you obviously see everybody looking down at their phones. And mm. that does excess flexion, weak extension in the cervical extensors, you know, behind your head. And what does that do also? Obviously, it rounds your shoulders, tightens your chest or your, your pectoral muscles. And then you can't stand up. You can't have full scapular retraction to bring your arms back. If you want to play tennis, for example, and you want to do that big tennis serve, how can you get your shoulder back there? Because your chest is so tight and your upper back is so weak, there's no way you can really get on top of the ball and give a nice forceful serve. I can't think of an example where anyone's come into my office and said, you know, I'm having these pains. I think it might have to do with my posture. I I've just never heard that. And yet it, it seems to be so critical, isn't it? Absolutely. They don't think about 
it's because of the way I'm sitting all day or because I am seated all day in a position. There's got to be something else going on with me. It's work stress. That's why my head is hurting. Well, if you really take a picture of your body and, and you're all hunched over, as I say, like the hunchback of Notre Dame, you know, I guarantee you the hunchback of Notre Dame is feeling a lot of pain. <laughs> There's a reason he's in that position. So your patients probably are too, but it just doesn't connect. And it's not normal to feel that way. So it's so forgive yourself one that you do and let's work on a natural way to get you back. It's, it's not always just a medication. Here are some pain pills. That'll take care of you. Dr. DeRose says that when talking about fitness, the conversation will inevitably turn toward weight. And there's a lot of folks who say, hey, don't bother exercising if you're trying to, to lose weight. You really got to change your diet. And then I got folks in the you know exercise side of things that are saying, hey, if all you're doing is changing your diet, you're missing part of the equation. I think if you listen to a balanced group of people, they're going to say, physical exercise and physical activity as well as proper eating habits are both important. Do you actually embrace this as far as your fitness uh, protocols? Absolutely. It is a combination of both. You can't out-exercise a bad diet. And at the same time, when people think of dieting, the first three letters of that are die. <laughs> and the last time I checked with somebody, dying was not on their top 10 bucket list of things to do. Fair enough. So it really is about let's make healthier choices with our foods, a little bit less of the processed, and let's look at eating more plant-based, natural you know, you know, meats, fish, poultry. Make some changes maybe in your snacking. One of the things that we talk about being at home a lot is it's easier to go right into the kitchen and grab some chips, grab some cookies, mm -hmm. grab a, a, a cupcake or whatever. Let's maybe grab some carrots, have an apple, things that you like. Another analogy I give is you don't like Brussels sprouts, don't eat Brussels sprouts. It's fine. There are other plenty of options that fit your taste buds. Go for those. And that's how you're going to stick to just some healthier choices overall. Yeah, I appreciate your emphasis you know, on the plant-based, even though you mentioned you know, some of the animal products. Of course, folks in Indian country historically, I don't know of a tribe that didn't use some wild game or fish or things of this nature. But it's really been interesting uh, for me, at least the circles I'm in in Indian country, to see such a refocusing on some of these simple plant foods, like you mentioned, may not necessarily be carrots or apples, maybe the three sisters, the corn, the beans, the squash. But the point is the same. What we hear you saying is, hey, back before European contact, there were no uh, uh, potato chip factories, no candy bar factories, no, uh, no bakeries, okay? They were eating close to the land. So I really appreciate that emphasis. The conversation shifts to working environments and how ergonomics come into play when working for home or spending long hours sitting at a desk. Sitting at the dining room table, is, is you, that's not conducive for eight to 10 hours a day of being online. Your back's going to hurt, your butt's going to hurt. It's just going to make your problems worse. So if we can at least stand or find ways to stand and, and have our screens at eye level to us more of the day than we are looking down at them with that forward head position, that's super important. If you can invest into a, a chair that supports natural posture, great. Uh, I think as employers out there are going to have to start providing these types of tools, it, it's super important for productivity. The two discuss a common patient complaint, pain in the knees. Is knee pain something that's being aggravated by some of the, the work postures? Oh, 100%. When you're seated for long periods of time, 
your quadriceps or the muscles on top of your legs, your thighs, get very tight. Same thing with your hip flexors. And that can begin to pull on your kneecap as well as your iliotibial band or the muscle running along the outer thighs. So we have to learn to stretch those. And then we got to strengthen the corresponding weakened hamstrings and glutes to help take that pressure off the knee. Also pelvic anterior tilt and bring everything back into alignment so that your hips and your knees along with your, your feet and your ankles can all function optimally and together. So are there some simple stretches? A, a great stretch that you can do, it's a typical, is a typical runner stretch. Just stand on one foot, hold something if you need to balance, and bring your ankle up to your rear end. Try to pull that knee and that leg into alignment with the other one. It doesn't help if we're still leaning forward, we're not getting that stretch. And if you say, oh, Matt, well, that hurts. Well, hey, here's your wake-up call. That's the point. You're so tight, you can't even stand up straight. And so that's stretch in the front end. So we want to strengthen the back end. And if we have some spot on the living room floor, we can lay on our backs, bend our knees, bring our feet as close to our rear ends as possible, and push through the midfoot and raise our hips as high as we can. We're going to activate our glutes. We're going to activate our hamstrings, and we're going to stretch our hip flexors at the same time. We can do a couple sets of 15 to 20 reps once or twice a day, along with stretching those quadriceps. And in time, it can help lower your back pain and get you in a proper posture. One of my clients, um, and he is on Zoom calls, on sales calls, you know, all day long at his laptop. And the first time I saw him, you know, he was hunched over. He had pains uh -huh. in his shoulders. I watch him squat. He doesn't really drop, you know, bend at the knees. He bends at the hips. His knees flare out. Why? Because his calves and his ankles are so tight from whatever else he may or may not be doing. His body is all out of whack. So we really had to take back a few steps because I like to get stronger. Maybe lose a few pounds, which is great for everybody. But we have to slow down and let's get your muscles and your joints functioning properly. So again, you can go out and do the things that you enjoy most. I think one of the things, Matt, as I'm thinking about patients that I've seen over the years, so oftentimes folks, quote, know what their problem is. They got a hip problem, a knee problem. And when we evaluate them, when we get the MRIs, we do the physical exam, get the history, oftentimes the source of the problem is different than what the patient thinks. They may have a, a disc problem in their back and they're having hip pain. Uh, they may think their problems with uh, their wrist but or, or their elbow, and it really is down in their wrist, you know, or vice versa. You talk about these uh, kinetic checkpoints. Can you help us understand what this whole concept is all about? So your kinetic checkpoints are basically your major joints of the body. They're your feet and ankles, your knees, your LPHC, or your lumbo-pelvic hip complex, up into your thoracic spine, or kind of your upper back and then into your, your head and neck. And just because you have problems, say your, your knees are hurting you and you can't figure out why, like you said, it doesn't stem from your knees. It could be because of your lack of flexibility in your ankles. And so what does that do? It draws your knees in when you go to bend down to pick something up because you just don't have that range of motion or it's called dorsiflexion in your ankles. And that's what's actually causing pain in your knee. I had a client, we'll go a little bit upper body, who had big time pain in his shoulders. And I was just looking at him and, and analyzing his posture. I said, well, it's probably because of your forward 
head position and the tightness you have in your traps. You know, let's look to stretch your traps out, stretch your chest, and build a little bit in your upper back. So we started doing it. Lo and behold, his pain is starting to go away because it's pulling his muscles back into position. Natural remedies or routes to improving posture, muscle function, and even brain function are advocated for by both. Over the years, as I've worked with First Nation peoples, time and time again, I've heard that, you know, all these drugs, these, you know, pharmacology, this is really not indigenous medicine, okay? Uh, if you want to talk about natural remedies, you want to talk about exercise, you want to talk about activity, let's try to give some practical counsel for some specific conditions. They're getting headaches. Maybe they saw a doctor. The doctor said it's muscle tension headaches. They gave them a pill like baclofen or flexeril, one of these common muscle relaxers. What other option might there be for someone like that? Typically, your chest muscles are tight because your shoulders are rounded constantly from your positioning at a keyboard or, or staring down at, at your phone or some type of device. And it also lengthens or weakens the muscles of your upper back. So what we have to do is stretch your pectoral muscles. So a great way to do that, put our arm at an L position, shoulder height. We can put it right there in the door. We just lean forward with good posture, get a good stretch in your pectoral muscles. You can just do that on the back wall. Do it on each side, hold about 15 or 20 seconds. And then what we have to do is strengthen the corresponding weak muscle. So we can do something like, again, these are things we can do at home. You don't need a health club or gym. You can put your arms out in front of you and you can just bring your elbows back and begin to retract your scapula. You can even hold a couple cans of beans or whatever you have in your pantry to get a little bit resistance if you seem it's too easy just holding, uh, pulling your arms back. Those are great ways to begin to help with your posture. I did a number of educational series. One of them I called the Brain Health Revolution. And in that series, I talked about a compound called brain-derived neurotrophic factor, or BDNF. And when I mentioned it to audiences, most people just gave me these blank stares. But you have been someone who's been uh, interested in this natural compound made by the brain. Why are you so interested in it, and what does it have to do with our current topic? BDNF1 is how we build brain cells in, in the hippocampus. And the only way we can do that is by elevating the heart rate, and that's through exercise. You can't do brain games and sit out there and, and play whatever you want on the computer or sit longer in class. That, that doesn't do it. Sure, it helps, but the only way is elevating that heart rate, being physically active, building those brain cells, which helps to do things like push off signs of Alzheimer's and dementia. For kids, I know we'll take a little piece of that and say, they got to get out and have physical education and physical activity because that's how they're going to learn things and get better grades. It's not sitting behind that desk listening to that teacher like Charlie Brown, wah, 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 all the time. They got to be active too so that they can learn better. And there's really two times, as you know, Doc, that are we're plastic, and that's as youth and as we age. Yeah, this is a fascinating topic. I mean, I got interested in BDNF because it was linked to things like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's as well as depression. You mentioned some of the connections with uh, with learning. And uh, definitely, one of the important ways to raise BDNF is with physical activity. And I think you make a good case for saying, hey, if you're serious about your brain health, you got to focus on the physical activity component. They talk about physical activity versus physical exercise and expand on the correlation between fitness and brain health. I always like to tell people, number one, do what you enjoy. And I'll use my sort of example. I, 
I hate running. I'll be completely honest with you. I don't jog. I don't want to go out for a jog. I got better things to do. But if you say, hey, Matt, you want to go play basketball? You want to go play soccer? You want to go do some physical active? I'm in. I, I, I got plenty of time for that. So you got to do what's enjoyable to you. And second of all, yeah, you're going to break a sweat. You got to get the heart rate elevated. There's two different things. There's physical activity and then there's physical exercise. Exercise is planned, structured, and progressive. Physical activity is just, well, I'm cleaning the house. I'm vacuuming, which is great. But I'll tell you what, if, if your heart rate is at 70% of its max from vacuuming, you've got some other problems. So we really need to find ways that we can keep our heart elevated for longer periods of time. And no, physical activity is important. It, back to the, being sedentary. So it's important to be physically active and walking the dog and cleaning the house, cutting the grass, whatever you may do. But don't confuse that with true physical exercise, which is higher intensity than just cutting the grass. And you need that. You need to do both. But that exercise is critical, and that's what's going to help build the BDNF, help push off the cognitive decline, and then make your basic physical activity that much easier. Talk about neuroplasticity. First of all, what is it, and why is it so important to you? Neuroplasticity is the ability of our brain to really rewire itself. And the neurons that um, grows from doing complex movements or learning to play an instrument. And why is that important? Because, well, one, that's how we learn to, for a stroke victim, to walk again, to talk again, to use different parts of their body that they lost with the stroke. So from an older standpoint, say older 60, 65, it's kind of being able to teach the old dog the same old tricks. And that has to do with their balance. You know, if we're not balancing or putting our body into extreme, and I don't mean extreme, like, you know, bungee jumping extreme, mm -hmm. but, you know, maybe standing on one foot and trying to reach up and take a mug out of the cabinet and you're not real sure. So you hesitate and boom, that's where you fall. So being able to train your body, retrain your body to be balanced and stable and have coordination is going to help you avoid things like falls and slips and trips, which then lead to hospital visits. So this is really interesting to me, Matt, because we're speaking about something that is so practical, and yet many folks think, well, I'm going to avoid activity because I don't want to get hurt. I mean, this is a classic thing, and one of the things that we see when someone has a serious injury, especially as they get older, one of their fears is actually doing the very things that might help prevent a problem in the future. Can you help walk us through this kind of strange uh, dynamic? Absolutely. I, humans don't like change and they're going to avoid discomfort. That's just a natural human reaction. Uh, so if we're used to using, I'm right-handed, so I'll use that example, always my right hand or right leg to do something. And now I'm in a position where I can't use my right hand or right leg and I have to use my left hand or left leg. There's no confidence mentally. There's also no stability. So when I go to use that, maybe I need to step laterally with my left foot down onto something, but the strength isn't there because I never use it. Now we have things like an ACL injury or a knee injury because it buckles and it's not used to holding up my weight. So in working with clients, um, it's very important for me 
to teach them to use both sides of their body. I have a, an older client's a CPA, and, and a lot of it when we started is just having him balance. He had to step forward and backwards and forwards and backwards, and he was all out of shape and, and, and rocky because he hadn't done it with his left leg. Now, after training him for a few months, then he's gotten that confidence and he's not as unstable anymore. Thank you for listening to the Warm Springs program. I'm Liz Smith for 91.9 FM KWSO.